brought to the final song, My Hope is Jesus, you couldn't help but listen to the song without just having tears come to your eyes and a tug at your heart. Our theme tonight has been one thought, the hope of Christmas. You ever imagine having a Christmas that is hopeless? A Christmas where you wonder, what is this all about? And we think tonight about this Miller family. As the story unfolds, it begins about a family that sounds like a normal family. A family that has everything going well, a loving marriage, a son who thinks his dad is a hero, a father who seems to be investing in his son and his wife. To only see a family unravel and fall apart. And perhaps some here this evening have experienced something very similar to that. When you've come to the place where your world is turned upside down, the bottom has been pulled out from under you. When your life goes from sunshine to dark clouds, overcast skies, and pitch dark evenings, what do you do? What do you do when life becomes hopeless? I want to tell you tonight, the hope of Christmas is not in a Christmas play. The hope of Christmas is not in a narration that's trying to make you feel good about what's going to happen in the next several days, the next several minutes. But I want to tell you in one verse of Scripture tonight, one out of many, but one verse of Scripture tonight, from God's holy word, the Bible, it tells us the source, the true source, the real source of hope for your life and mine. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, the Apostle Paul, writing to people who felt they were at the lowest point of their life, a dark place in their life, he summed up for them the source of real hope. And he said in Colossians 1, 27, through whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And I want you to focus on that very last line. Do you see that? The very last line says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Would you say that with me tonight, please? Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, tonight... There's an incredibly powerful promise for hope in that one line tonight. And I want you to see that with me this evening. First of all, as we consider this matter of hope, is it possible to find hope? Is it possible to have real hope? Is it possible to have lasting hope? You see, when we think about hope, we'll say something like this. A student will say, well, I hope I'll get an A from my test. Or a student will say, I hope that I, I, will, I, will get, I will get it into this college. All the students right now, the seniors in high school, have made applications for the various colleges. And the buzz around the high school seniors is, you know, how many colleges did you apply to? And are you going to get in this school? And things that they have that hopefulness that they're going to get in this school. For those of you who are working, it's, it's hope for you is, I hope that I'm going to get this job promotion this year. And I, I hope that I'm going to get this job transfer. I hope I'm going to get hired by this, this company that I've applied for. Hope for us is, a, is a, a wishful thinking. But Bible hope 
is anticipation of a future event that's guaranteed to you. And tonight I want you to notice that hopelessness is when you and I are at a dark place in our life. The prophet Micah said, said of, of hopelessness, he said he felt like he was sitting in darkness. The prophet Isaiah spoke about people who walk in darkness. The Apostle Paul in that same chapter of Colossians chapter 1 spoke about being under the power of darkness. I'm reminded of a story that was that's very real and very true about a young man on the East Coast who was diagnosed with a very quick, aggressive, advancing form of cancer. As soon as the oncologist found out that this young man was diagnosed with cancer, they put him on a very, very uh, strong regimen of chemotherapy treatment. As he was going through chemotherapy treatment, he was one of those types of treatments where he had to be admitted to the hospital for, for a couple days at a time with this intensive infusion of chemotherapy going into his body. On one particular day, he had a young doctor that came through that was checking on him and had studied the records on him and looked at the chart and went on top into the computer, looked up some things. And as he's watching these young men receive this infusion therapy uh, of chemotherapy, he said something that was very harsh. He was just trying to be very clinical, but sometimes being clinical, you've got to be very careful about what you say. And being very clinical, this doctor in a very cold, callous way says, I don't even know why you're taking this treatment. You know you're not going to last through this year. It's pretty cold. The director of medical clinic who took a special interest in that young man made visits to him every day. With all his things he had to do, all the patients he had, of all the administrative details he had, he wanted to see this young man and he tried to give him hope. As that director of the medical clinic came in to see that young man after he had seen that doctor, the young man told him about the experience and this is what he said. He says, that doctor, that man took away my hope. The Bible understands and God understands hopelessness. The patriarch Job, for whom a whole book is named after him. The majority of the book describes a man whose life was turned upside down. And one day, he lost all of his, lost all of his herds. He lost all of his real estate holdings. A cyclone came and Destroyed the home where his children and all eight of his children were killed in that, in that disaster. And to top things off, the next day, he was afflicted with a very serious health disease. It was, it was called boils of some kind. And the Egyptians called it that uh, back in their day. Uh, they called it the black leprosy. It was just a very terrible situation for that man. And as he was, as he was going through this, this, this awful, awful time, he described his situation such. He said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they are without hope. The Apostle Paul, who many of us as Christians, as we read the Bible, consider a great hero of the faith and one of the greatest heroes of the faith and a man that we just feel like he was very resilient through difficulties. He was out on a storm in the Mediterranean Sea and he, he had told the people, the mariners on that boat, it's not a good idea during the fall season that we should go out on these waters. But they said, we're going to listen to the captain of the ship and not to you because what are you? You're just a preacher. What do you know? They went out on the Mediterranean scene. It was around September, October time when, the, when, the, when the, the weather patterns were not very predictable on that Mediterranean Sea. And they got engulfed in a great storm. In fact, the storm was so great, the Greek name they gave it was the name Eurycladon, which means a cyclone. Their sails were broken. The ship felt like it was going to break apart. 
They cast overseas into the water all of their all of their cargo and precious, precious cargo and things they threw overseas. And Paul described it as this. He said, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay upon us that he says all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Have you ever been there? No hope, just all hope was taken away. But friend, I want to tell you tonight, worse than the hopelessness that Job experienced, and worse than the hopelessness that Paul experienced out on the, out on the seas, the open seas, when for many days, and the Bible describes maybe as many as 14 days, the sun did not appear. It was just darkened sky and boisterous winds waves covering their boat and wondering if that ship was going to sink with 276 men on the Hey, worse than all of those things, worse than going through chemotherapy treatment, worse than having cancer, worse than all that, is knowing this one thing, that we were born into this world with a sin nature and the judgment of God upon our sin. That's hopelessness. The Bible describes it in one verse, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The punishment for sin is death. Why did Jesus have to die? Because he had to die for your sins and mine. And you think about all the miserable things that go on in life and that we have to go through. The hardest of all of that is knowing that when a person passes away, is that separation that will not see that person again. The Bible tells us that the consequences for sin is death. That God has passed judgment down upon every man. Yes, we see a problem, but notice Colossians 1.27 with me again there. Because in Colossians 1.27, I want you to see the source of hope. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where is hope? Number one, hope is found in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, God's son. That's a wonderful thing tonight we can leave with. More important than the gift we put in your hand tonight. More important than the refreshments we'll have here tonight, more important than the gift that you'll the gifts you'll open on Christmas Day is the fact that real hope is summed up in Jesus Christ. Real hope is not going to be found under a Christmas tree this Christmas. Real hope is not going to be found in a job promotion. Real hope is not going to be found being a member of a prestigious church of some kind and getting your name on that roster or belong, belonging to some denomination. No, that's not real hope. Real hope is found in that person, that one person, and that person is God's Son, Jesus Christ. First of all, Jesus Christ is God. That's why we can find hope in him. There's hope in our God, a God who loves us, a God who will not be like a human father who will abandon us, but a God who's with us through thick or thin. He is God. During Christmas time as we, pastors, as we present messages and prepare our congregations for Christmas, and we hope you'll come back for our services, we refer to something we call the Incarnation. And the incarnation basically is a, is a word that describes God becoming a man, but without sin. What an amazing thought. Jesus is God, but Jesus became like you and I, yet without sin. God, Jesus, stepped out of eternity into time. He left being the spiritual realm and entered into our earthly, fleshly realm and put on flesh like you and I, yet without sin. Now, the Bible describes in 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifest in the flesh. The Apostle John said it this way, the Word, which is Jesus Christ, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Simply said tonight, Jesus Christ is God. Jesus is God. That's why you can find hope. Hope is not in the institution. Not, hope is not found in a group of people. Hope is found in God, and Jesus is God. Jesus is God, but God loves you and I through Jesus Christ. Brother Aaron Lee, who portrayed Pastor Miller to tonight, or pet the pastor this evening, quoted John 3.16. John 3.16 has been described by some people as the gospel in miniature. And John 3.16 is God's love verse to you and me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but of everlasting life. Listen, hope is found in a person, Jesus Christ, who's God. It's found in the fact that God loves you and me through Jesus Christ, that God demonstrated his love by giving. Love is not receiving. Love is not just taking away from some of us. Love is giving and giving and giving. That's what Jesus Christ, God did through Jesus Christ. He gave his son for you and I. But here's how he gave himself for us. God proved his love for us with Jesus Christ dying for our sins. The Apostle Paul captures all that, and here's how he describes it. He describes Jesus Christ becoming, becoming a man and dying for our sins. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Can you imagine that? God, who's the creator of the universe. God, who's eternal. He has no beginning, and by the way, he has no ending. Made himself of no reputation. He didn't come to earth to establish himself as a great CEO. And he came to earth to establish himself as the richest man on earth, though he owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. He made himself of no reputation. And notice this. He took upon himself the form of a servant, literally a slave. He took upon the form of a servant, and the Bible says was made in the likeness of man. Can you imagine that? The creator became just like his creation yet without sin. And the Bible goes on by saying, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ because Jesus as God became like you and me, the one sole purpose, one sole mission. He came to seek and to save all of us because we're lost. He came to take our place on the cross Someone had to be judged for our sins. Either you're going to be judged for your sins or someone else would have to do it. And guess what? Jesus Christ was judged for your sins. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he satisfied all of the requirements for sin. He satisfied the sin debt totally. And I like this part. He left a zero balance. Aren't you glad about that tonight? Amen. He left a zero balance. He paid the sin debt in full. You don't owe God anything because Jesus Christ paid it in full. But notice this tonight. Jesus Christ is that person. Jesus Christ is the only one who could satisfy that sin debt for you and me. And so notice Christ in you, Colossians 1.27. Hope is found in a person, but quickly notice, hope is also found in a place. Now, how does that all come together? Notice Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The problem is we have a hopeless situation. We have a sin nature. The curse of sin is upon us. We see, the, we see that hope is found in a person, 
and that person is Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ points us to a place. Hope leads us to a place. Hey, tonight I want to tell you something great. Hope has a destination. It has a place you can arrive at. And notice when it says in Colossians 127, Christ in you, notice this, the hope of glory. That's where hope is. Now, what's glory? Glory is a wonderful word in the Bible that speaks about heaven. It speaks about eternal life. It speaks about everlasting life. It speaks about spending all of eternity with God. It's a place that Jesus described as his father's house. Listen to what Jesus said to heavy-hearted people. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Listen to this. This is glory. In my father's house, that's heaven, are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where is that place? Heaven, glory. Now, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Hey, there's good news tonight. Hope is found in a person. That person is Jesus Christ. Hope is found in a place. That place is glory or heaven. God's will, God's loving desires that every person in this room will go to heaven. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want heaven to be your home, amen? God wants every person to know you for sure you're going to heaven. It is not found in a lot of wishful thinking that we might have or trying to concoct something of our own imagination. It's found in something very real. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope is found in a person. Hope is found in a place. But as I close tonight, notice that verse again. Hope is found in a possession. It's a possession. Would you notice that again? How do you get hope? Christ in you. Christ in you. That hope comes by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. How do I get Jesus? Well, how do I get this hope? Well, some people think, well, if I sit in a church, that maybe I'll get that hope. I'll receive Jesus by sitting in a church. Not necessarily. And some people think I'll get this hope maybe by, by joining some organization. Not, it really won't happen that way. You get Christ in you very simply because John chapter 1, verse 12 tells us this. And to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The name of Jesus Christ is what saves you. Because the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. Look at John 1.12. As many as received him. You see, that's an open invitation. Hope is found in a person. Hope is found in a place. Hope is found in a possession. You must personally take Jesus Christ as your Savior. He says as many as receive him. It's a personal invitation. It's God's welcome mat inviting you to accept Christ. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And notice this tonight. It is not Pastor Fong or anybody else here in church that has the power to make you a son of God. It's God who has the power to make you a son of God. And tonight, a miraculous transformation can happen in every life this evening. That transformation is receiving a real hope. The Bible calls it a blessed hope. It's a living hope. It's a hope that knowing that you, knowing for certain and for sure that heaven can be your home. Tonight, we invite you to receive this real hope. Tonight, we invite you, as Joey Miller did in the story, to accept God's Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. When I accept to take him by faith, to make a faith decision tonight that right where you're seated in the privacy and the comfort of that padded chair you're on to open your heart's door and call upon Jesus Christ as your Savior. Romans 10, 9 tells us how we receive Jesus Christ. Where we, right now, there's something going on in a lot of hearts in this room. 
Something's going on in a lot of hearts from here to here to here to here. And I tell you what's going on in your heart. There's a tug on your heart where God is tugging on you to saying, why don't you tonight on December 9th get born into God's family? Why don't you tonight stop fighting with God, running from God, pushing it off? And why don't you just say tonight, you know what? That hope is free. That hope is promised. God wants you to have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And here's how you do it. By faith, you can ask Jesus Christ to save you. Look at Romans 10, 9. That if thou, which means you, that if thou should confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is God's guarantee that you can be saved tonight, that your sins are forgiven, and you're on God's roster roll forever and knowing that you have eternal life. That's a wonderful thing. In fact, I'll tell you tonight, that's the best Christmas present any person could ever receive. This past Tuesday, December 4th, 47 years ago, Alan Fong got a visit from someone that came to tell me the very same thing I just shared with you. I was a very religious 14-year-old boy, extremely argumentative. We sat and debated on the couch, my family's living room couch. I can still remember where I was seated, seated that night. And every question I threw, just being a complete, just, just being just someone just being obnoxious, to be honest with you, that man in kindness and patience took the Bible and answered every one of my questions from the Bible, God's word. And the more he answered my questions, God's word, the more I realized I was a sinner in a hopeless situation. No, I didn't commit any crimes. And no, I didn't do anything worthy of going to jail. But I knew one thing. It just takes one sin to send me to hell. And just that one sin, I needed forgiveness from God. And I realized all that I'd ever done for my 14 years, I wasn't deserving of what I was being told that night. And I'm thankful at 1030 on Saturday night, December 4th, I humbled myself. I opened my heart. I confessed I was a sinner and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And I'm thankful tonight, 47 years ago, I can still say I'm saved and I know I'm going to heaven. And I invite you tonight, friend, we didn't invite you here just to encourage you and entertain you. We invited you here because Heritage Baptist Church, through God's Son, Jesus Christ, offers to you the most precious, most wonderful gift you could ever receive. And I want to help you now tonight because you're not certain you're going to heaven. You're not certain that you have that personal relationship with Christ, that you don't have that real hope. I invite you tonight to receive it. I invite you right where you're sitting on that comfortable padded chair to open your heart and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. I want you to mean business with God tonight. I want you to tell God you really mean business and you want to settle tonight that you want to have that personal relationship with him that he so desires you to have with him. And here's how you're going to do that. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And all around the room, I'm going to lead you in prayer where you can pray with me and ask Christ to save you. Now, just repeating after me is not going to save you. What you repeat after me must be from the bottom of your heart. This must be something that you mean very genuinely. I will guide you. I will provide you the leadership. But you've got to make this a personal desire on your part. I will pray very slowly. I mean very slowly. But as you pray with me, I'm going to invite you tonight to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Would you do that? Would you do yourself the greatest favor of all? Would you be a blessing and encouragement to someone who invited you here tonight? Would you just let God know tonight that you're not going to turn away his free gift, eternal life, but you'll receive it this evening? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes for prayer. All around the room, all around the room, 
close your, bow your heads, close your eyes to prayer. And tonight, as God has spoken to you through the play, through the narration, and now through this very simple message, Christ in you, the hope of glory, I'm going to invite you to pray and call upon Jesus to be your Savior tonight. Would you do that? And you can pray silently or you can pray out loud. But I'm inviting you tonight to be unashamed in your praying and ask Jesus to come to your heart. I want you to mean business tonight. I want you to tell God, Lord, I really mean business tonight. I really want to get it settled tonight. I want to get settled tonight that I am saved, that I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, that I know Christ is in me because Christ is not going to get in you because you just came tonight. Christ is going to get in you because you humbled yourself as he humbled himself and asked him to be your Savior. Here's what you can pray, friend. You ready? Dear Heavenly Father, I confess tonight I am a sinner who needs to be saved. I believe that your Son, Jesus Christ, is God who died for my sins and rose again from the dead. By faith, I take Jesus now to be my Savior, my God, and my best friend. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life, for the forgiveness of my sins, and for saving me. In Jesus' name, your head's still bowed. And your eyes closed. Now, I'm going to tell you, this moment is so precious and so sacred and so important. I didn't lead you in prayer to help you have a relieved conscience. I led you in prayer tonight because the greatest decision you'll ever make is having received Jesus Christ as Savior. Would you help me tonight? Because I'm going to close this service in prayer. But I'm going to ask every man, every woman, every child, every guest, no matter who you are, whether you're mother or father, husband or wife, grandmother, grandfather, uncle, it doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to ask you tonight, would you take a moment to just share with me by raising your right hand and saying, Pastor Fong, I'm raising my right hand because I want you to know that tonight I prayed with you and asked Jesus Christ into my heart to save me. All over the room, I'm going to ask you, how many would raise your right hand with me tonight to say, Tonight, Pastor, I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. Thank you. God bless you. Who else tonight would say, Tonight, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart to save me from my sins. I called for Christ to be in me, the hope of glory. Who else tonight, who else this evening would say, Pastor Fong, I want you to know I got Christ in me, the hope of glory. I prayed in that tonight. God bless you. Who else tonight you say, I've called on the Lord to be my Savior this evening. Who else this evening? Please don't be ashamed of the Lord. I'm not going to call you out. But I'm asking you because I want to pray for you. I want to pray that your faith would be firm and your faith would be solid. And I'm praying that the love of God would flood your heart. Who else? I'll just wait just a moment. Who else tonight would say, tonight I've called upon the Lord to save me. I prayed with you tonight, Pastor. I made that very real. And Christ came into my heart. Who else tonight? Who else this evening? Real hope is found in a person. Real hope is found in a place. That's glory or heaven. And real hope is found in a possession. You'd say tonight, I, I took Jesus tonight. I have that possession. I've taken Christ tonight. I'll wait just a moment further. Don't be shy this evening. We love you. I love you. God loves you. Who else tonight would say, Pastor, I called on Jesus tonight to save me. Who else this evening? Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, we thank you tonight 
for how this wonderful group of people have listened very carefully and our hearts have been touched by the special Christmas musical. We thank you tonight that the hope of Christmas is Christ in you, the hope of glory that is found in Christ who died for our sins and rose again from the dead. It's found in the fact that Jesus Christ gives us the hope of glory. Hope is a future destination. It's knowing that heaven will be our home, that mansion, that home in the sky, that, way, that home way up in eternity that, God, you've promised us. And we thank you tonight is found in a possession. It's not enough just to talk about it. We must claim it. We must make it our own. And, Lord, there are many tonight around this room who, by faith, have called on Jesus to be their Savior. Father, would you strengthen their faith? Would you help them to have that peace of heart and that firmness of knowing that they're saved? And then, Lord, tonight, we pray for some who are still thinking and contemplating about this matter of salvation. We pray tonight that you would help them before they even leave this evening, that they make it very real and very personal in their lives. Thank you tonight for those who've been saved and called on Christ to save them. We pray for your blessing upon their lives. And then we pray for your blessing upon every person in this room that have a wonderful, wonderful, blessed Christmas and one that would be unforgettable because, Lord, of what you've spoken to us about tonight. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.